Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another Monday night edition of the Wolverines live show uh, here on our YouTube channel or in your podcast feed if you are listening after the fact. Uh, Anthony Broom here as we are every Monday night with Clayton Safey, Chris Ballas. A lot to get to today. Uh, We were all over the place this weekend. Uh, We had an event up in Traverse City to cover uh, with uh, five Michigan players there. Uh, Donovan Edwards among them. We're going to dive into... Something interesting he revealed over the weekend. Also, uh, there is a new NIL. I don't know if initiative is the way to call it or or was what we would call it, but uh, some exciting steps forward for Michigan football in that respect on Monday with the M go or or the, uh, the M power program that they have put into place. We'll dive into that. And also as we do every week, uh, we will take your questions. Uh, We have some from the message board. If you're watching here live on the YouTube channel, we can also get you in that way. And if you want to move yourself to the front of the line, like Michael Iver has here uh, with a comment uh, for four ninety nine, says, uh, hoping J.J. McCarthy does not scramble, having turned his back to the field, face downfield. It's more of a comment than a question, but uh, we appreciate it, Michael. Uh, if you'd like to donate and have your name on the screen, uh, like Michael's name is right now, uh, feel free to look for that donate button below. So, uh, Before we bring the fellas in, of course, we want to talk about our friends over at Rogue Shop. Com. Of course, sponsors of our Monday night show going back to football season. Uh, they've been a good partner of ours and we love, uh, we love discussing our friends over there. So promo code, the Wolverine for 10% off over at rogueshop.com. If you have issues sleeping, chronic pain and or anxiety or stress, uh, they have something for you or, you know, it's just the summer now too. Uh, if you want to just calm down and relax and, and kind of let the, the summer and the weather wash over you, That's a perfect application for it as well. So Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts. I come here every week and read the sea scroll of items they have. There's something for you over at rogueshop.com. So be sure to go uh, support our friends Richard and Charmaine over there. They have a 24-7 chat function where customers can ask them anything. Uh, So head on over to rogueshop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. Use promo code THEWOLVERINE for 10% off. Fellas, uh, into the meat and potatoes of our show now. Like I said, a lot to get into. I want to start here. Um, we were at, uh, or I was up at the uh, Wolverine weekend event at Grand Traverse Resort. Shout out to Eric DeBoer, Caroline Rizzo. The staff up there did an amazing job. Very hospitable. Uh, very, uh, very kind to us. It, it was uh, awesome to be up there for that event. But uh, you had five Michigan players in, in attendance up there for uh, there was a dinner on Saturday night and a meet and greet with fans. Uh, I was able to meet a couple of our uh, our followers over uh, on the Wolverine, someone who watches this show as well, a Shab fan, uh, actually sat at his dinner table. So if you're watching tonight, uh, it was great yeah. to get to know all of you guys. So, uh, But let's get into the biggest takeaway, was that you know we had a couple minutes with Donovan Edwards before this event started, and... He revealed, and I. This was news to all of us. This wasn't something we had discussed. Really, was made privy to. We knew he had the hand injury in the tail end of the season, but uh, Donovan Edwards played most of last season with a torn patella, a torn patellar tendon. Was corrected several times on you can't tear your patella. You know, it's you know the web. People were were working the M, the web MD like crazy over the weekend. But uh, Donovan Edwards had a surgery this offseason uh, for a knee injury. Blake Corum had a surgery for a knee injury this off season. Now fellas, for as much as we've talked about throughout the off season and leading up to this new year, how Michigan has one of the 
the better running back duos in the country, maybe the best running back duo in the country, uh, most talented for sure, will be two of the highest drafted when it comes to next fall. I kind of want to spin it a little bit because there's been so much positive hype. I want to play devil's advocate here a little bit. You have two all-world running backs coming off of knee surgeries this offseason, and I'll just start with this. Uh, Are we concerned about that? Not in the least. I think that's why they have one of the best – one of the best hospitals in the in the in the world, frankly, in their backyard, and they're saying that these guys are going to be ready to go. And knowing how Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards work, and how intent they are on getting back, and and how committed they are to it, I think they'll be good to go by the start of the season. So, um, I think that's great. You know what? This ain't intramurals, brother. This ain't figure skating. You're out there playing with pain. It's like Jim Harbaugh says. You know what? You're playing playing with some kind of injury all the time, and. There were guys, that's why it burns my ass going back to like 2018, 2019, when you had guys sitting out of practice, you know, for weeks with a, you know, a hangnail or something like that, and then wanted to go in and play on Saturdays and were biding their time to get to the NFL. We're not going to get into names, but uh, you guys know who some of them are. Um, and that's why when they got rid of them and they changed that culture in 2020 and they got a refresh and they got rid of all those clowns, you're left with guys like Donovan Edwards who play with torn patellar tendons and broken hands and go out there and learn how to carry in his other hand. That's a football player, and that's how you win championships, baby. I remember John Jansen telling me one time when I interviewed him how he put a piece of PVC pipe behind his leg because he had something torn in his knee, and he taped it up so that he could play. That's Michigan football. So, you know what? Uh, I got off on a tangent there a little bit, but I will say I will say that uh, – you know what? I think they'll be fine. And uh, and they and actually, in speaking to Sharon Moore, I don't want to give away everything that's in our football preview. I think they'll be better than fine this fall. And in fact, I think they're probably pretty close to 100% right now. Yeah, and I think a lot of these guys were smart this offseason. It's not just Blake and Donovan, but a lot of them sat out spring ball. They got surgeries. Like Rod Moore was telling us that uh, he got one himself just to clean something up in his knee, and then he'll be good to go. And they were all lifting and everything, doing everything they could well, the other guys were out at practice, but tons of guys, Drake Nugent, Miles Hinton, a lot of guys had procedures, Will Johnson as well. Um, so they're kind of being smart about doing that early in the offseason, so they'll be good to go. With Donovan, I'm always a little bit uh, worried about him getting hurt. He gets hurt quite a bit, as we've seen over the last two seasons. He's had multiple ankle sprains. He's had the knee, as uh, AB, you reported first over the weekend. Uh, he's had the hand. He had a surgery for that, too, so that's two offseason surgeries for Donovan Edwards. It's just kind of the way he runs. Like he likes to run right into guys at times. He's getting better at it. Uh, better last year than it was the year before. And I think and, and Blake was that way too. He would take a lot of hard hits early on in his career, but throughout working with Mike Hart over the years, he has really improved that. So I, I think Donovan will get better at that. Um, so always a little concern when you run the ball a lot and you have, you know, guys that, uh, that are going to carry the rock a lot, but nothing out of the ordinary. I think they, they should be fine there by the start of the season. And um, the fact that you have those two guys and some more depth behind them makes you feel pretty good about what they have this fall if something were to happen to one of them. Yeah, and when it comes to recovery timelines, uh, it was a four-month recovery for his uh, for Donovan Edwards' knee uh, surgery. He That was back in February, it sounds like. So he's he's pretty much good to go, him and Blake Corum, although you're, you know they're going to ease those guys in. I want to read the quote. It kind of goes back to Chris's point about these guys doing whatever they can to get on the field and play. Donovan Edwards told us that he said, I wasn't going to allow that to stop me. My leg would have had to been cut off for me to not play. Same thing with the broken hand. I just put a cast on it. Although I was carrying it in my non-dominant <laughs> hand, you just got to do what you got to do to come up successful and win the game. Um, and Shane Johnson here with a four ninety nine super chat. Hello, Shane. Uh, both all world backs returning from knee surgeries cause for concern uh yikes time for cb to lighten up on the 50 50 (laughs) run pass offense uh i'm glad he brought up the offense because the next question i was going to have for both of you was you know it was just last week where we we were talking about some of our takeaways from jim harbaugh at the wayne state camp and he had talked about how you know i only want to get you know i'd like to come out of games with blake Corum having 10 touches and donovan edwards having his nine or 10 touches and you know all this talk about spreading the ball around i mean all of these, there's been a lot of guys that have had these kind of off-season procedures, and not to say that guys are you, know, you want to spread it out so no one has the workload that you know NFL scouts will look down upon. But do you think that some of these off-season injuries, um, 
you know, lend itself to the idea that they will spread the ball around a little bit more. I, I mean, we can, you know, when push comes to shove, as we've seen in the past, uh, if Blake Corum needs to get 30 carries for Michigan to win a football game, they're going to do that. Uh, knee injury be damned. But uh, given what we know about these guys, and again, I don't think it's, you know, modern medicine, these, it's the equivalent of fixing a nosebleed for a lot of these guys now uh, when it comes to knee injuries and, and some of the soft tissue things. But uh, do you think that some of the health stuff lends a little more credence to the idea that Jim Harbaugh might, it might not just be lip service that he wants to, you know, evenly distribute this ball on offense a little bit more. Yeah. And you know what, maybe that means giving more carries to, you know, splitting the carries more evenly between the two guys and you've got two capable backs. You've got backs behind them that are somewhat capable too. And in some of those games, for example, uh, early in the season, we all know about the non-conference schedule. Heather Dinich is going to continue to tell us about it. So, um, you know what? Then get get some some of these young guys some carries. So, but you're right. When it comes to winning football games, when you go on the road, for example, to Nebraska and Minnesota, are you going to go out there and start slinging it around? You know what? And make it a keep it a ball game early, or are you going to go out there and do what you do and beat the crap out of teams? And by the fourth quarter, you're dominating and you've got the game in hand. Jim Harbaugh is going to do what it takes to win games. So. Uh, I'm with you, Shane, as long as the passing game is where it needs to be. And you, you know what? I don't, but I don't see that number one receiver. There's no Braylon. Again, there's no Braylon Edwards. There's no Mario Manningham guys like that out there where you're like, okay, we're going to exploit, we're going to exploit this guy. We're going to do that. We saw, yeah, we saw what Cornelius Johnson could do against Ohio state. That was some a pretty poor defense as well. He had 499 yards for the entire year. And I think about 144 or 150 came against Ohio state. So, but I am one of those guys that says run behind that big line and beat them up. Uh, this is part of football. And if there were one back, then yeah, I'd say you better be damn careful, but you got two very capable backs. Uh, they're going to get banged up. That's just the way it is, but let them go, baby, get that, get out there and start running people over. Yeah. There are a couple of instances where Blake probably had to carry more than uh, you would have liked. Illinois comes to mind. Rutgers first half, I think Blake had over 20 carries hmm. in that first half, which was unbelievable. A lot of them came right down at like the one yard line. Um, and Donovan not being healthy against Illinois was a, a big factor in that. And then we saw Blake go down, but I don't necessarily blame the injury on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it sounds great in theory, but as we talked about last week, once the season comes, once there's in-season Jim Harbaugh and his staff, they're going to do everything they can to win. And, you know, when you have one of the best players in college football in Blake Corum, an outstanding, uh, you know, I don't even want to call him a backup, but he technically is, and Donovan Edwards uh, and other talented players, you're going to give your best players the ball. They're going to command that uh, through their talent and their effort, as Jim Harbaugh would say. And I think that's what's going to happen this fall. I think the nice thing, too, is that, you know, I, I think at some point – just given both players' history, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one of or both of them, um, Donovan Edwards and Blake Corm, they'll probably miss a game somewhere. Like that's just kind of been what they're, or at least they'll be banged up. Uh, Blake Corm's never played, never been healthy for an Ohio State game. Donovan has kind of had uh, not quite a laundry list of injuries, but some things he's dealt with. But the nice thing about their current situation too, when we when we turn to the topic of how deep is this room, is that. I don't think you necessarily are going to have to convert someone, you know, from another position to be your goal line back on short notice. Like maybe they had to do with Kalel Mullings. I know that that was something that was kind of in the hopper with them uh, going back to last spring, but you have CJ Stokes now who proved to be capable. And you would think with another season of strength and seasoning that, uh, you know, he's going to be someone that, that comes in and can kind of spell those guys, you know, in a pinch. Uh, Benjamin Hall, the star of the spring game, uh, is a guy that look physically looks the part right now. Uh, we think that with Cole Cabana healthy, there's probably some things they can do with him too. And, and the list goes on. Mullings is in that room as well. So, uh, you know, they, they will, the offensive line will by and large determine, you know, if those guys go down, if, if anyone else can be successful, but, uh, you know, I'm with you guys. I'm not overly worried about the health of either player right now. I think that, uh, you know, both are right on track with their recovery. Both are healthy heading into fall camp, which will start around, uh, I believe, August 1st. So, um, yeah, that's that's more or less how I feel about the 
the running back position right now. Any other lingering thoughts on those two guys? No, but I do want to go back to the first 499 super chat we had because I want to give that one a little more time and let him get his money's worth on the uh, the J.J. Sure. McCarthy one. So, Michael, yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. Sometimes when you got a guy coming in on you and you, you know what, you see him at the last second, you're going to have to pull a Jim Harbaugh, man, and scramble out of there and do whatever you can to get out of there and then turn and get your eyes back downfield. So it's not about, you know what, it's not about – what happens initially sometimes you got to do that but i think he's done a really really good job and one of the plays that i will point to is that pass interference in the fourth quarter against ohio state when they had a blitzer coming untouched he he peels out of there and then he turns and he throws it up to ronnie bell who was interfered with uh i think ohio state fans would argue it was uncatchable it looked like he actually got a finger on the ball so he touched the ball yeah. he did touch the ball so that was a great call sorry buckeye fans but um, you know what, Jim Harbaugh, you made a living doing that. And it's like Bo Schembechler used to say, you know what, he would, you know, he, he would drive nuts at times, he said, but if your quarterback does that, he, he'd better make a play uh, and get away with it if it's going to happen. And J.J. McCarthy has done that. One guy who didn't was Shea Patterson, if you guys remember, throwing the ball out of bounds like 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. So I'm good with it, man. It's like uh, people say, let J.J. be J.J. Uh, you know what? He's proven it. He proved it last year. He got better and better through the fall, which is one of the reasons that he earned a start in the second game of the year. You know, uh, that's just a fact. And uh, and he and he earned the starting job. He got better and better at protecting the ball and being that guy that they could trust. So, but I'm with you, man. You've got to as soon as you can turn around and make a play. And I think he's gotten really good at that. So, Michael, I just wanted to give you your 499s worth there, and thank you very much for that. Yeah, there were times, too, last year where he was probably running around too long, like the Maryland game. But throughout the season, he got better and better at that, and he was talking about how his feel was really coming along. So, yeah, that's one of the aspects that reminds Jim Harbaugh of himself when he watches J.J. McCarthy. Devin Gardner could do that. There are other guys that couldn't as effectively at Michigan. And, I mean, you just kind of – you got to trust him a little bit there. As Jim Harbaugh said, ever since J.J.'s gotten on campus – he doesn't want him to be a victim of overcoaching. So I think they're going to let stuff like that slide. But as you said, it's, well, if you do it, you better make a play. It's like what John mm-hmm. Beeline used to tell guys, if they were going to gamble trying to steal a pass, you better steal it. Otherwise, it's five on four. So, uh, you know, take your risks when you can, uh, but you better, you know, make the most of it when you do. Absolutely. Uh, do we want to save Shab fans for questions or do we want to just take it now? Is it a super chat? It is a super chat. We could take well, it right put now. them up, man. You know what? You get you, get, you give us your money. You guys get right to the top of the list. Well, and he also won the grand prize of getting this. Uh, well, I should say I won the grand prize. I got to sit with him <laughs> at dinner on Saturday. So. Uh, you both, yeah, um, you both benefited from that. Shab fam asks, uh, with the kind of stacked talent it takes to be ranked number one these days, could twenty four end up being our best recruiting class ever? Uh, mm-hmm. Michigan's been hot on the trail. Added another uh, piece uh, to the puzzle on Monday. There's a couple Smiths in the class. It's what is this? Gerard Smith, Jacob Smith, Jaden, Jaden? Smith. See, there's Jaden. they're everywhere. There's a couple Smiths. This is not the Tuesday or Wednesday night show. Sorry. All you got to all you got to do is think of Sal's tattoo, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Oh, Bueller? No. Uh, no, that one went over my head this time, Chris. Sal, Sal Volcano. Um, uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah, Impractical Jokers. He had a he had. Oh, a, okay. He had to get a tattoo of Jaden Smith, Will Smith's son, on his thigh. So um, if Jaden Smith, if this Jaden Smith wins the Heisman, I want to go on record as saying I will get a tattoo of him on my ass. So uh, he'd be a linebacker winning it. So there you have it. But uh, anyway, uh, a little too much information. But no, this is to, to answer your question, Shab fan. No, that is uh, it won't be because it won't be top heavy enough because the top one to fifty to a hundred guys are still going to be getting the pay to play. Uh, the money that, you know, Michigan's not going to dole out $500,000 to land a kid. Their NIL is making progress, but they right now they are kind of fishing in that 80 to 300 range, right? Uh, and Jaden Smith's even lower. Now they love him. I'll give another example. Frederick Moore is a guy who is vastly underrated, who is probably, in my opinion, a top 150 kid and will play out that way, but isn't ranked that highly. And and I really don't care where where recruiting classes are ranked anymore other than to say, Teams like Georgia and Alabama that are hoarding that talent are going to be much more likely to win national championships just because they are so much deeper at those positions. So, but this isn't any different, frankly, than it's been forever, right? Um, with the the teams that hoard the the majority of the talent and and have the elite 
linemen that run like linebackers. Michigan's going to have a really, really, really good football team. That's probably, in my opinion, this is going to be their best chance in a while to win a championship because um, you got the veterans in there and uh, and other teams have new quarterbacks. Look at Ohio State, for example. So that's why this year is so important to me. Has Michigan ever finished with the top? Ranked class? I mean, what, uh, pretty close. Like, you know, I'll go back to the Drew Henson, David Terrell days. You know what? Those um, they've been close. Justin Fargus, I think, was in that class. So, but number one overall, I don't think so. Um, maybe in you know some service, but uh, to me, again, it's just um, you know what? You get top five, top ten, you're fine. Win the Big Ten and go from there and see what happens. Oh, yeah, and the thing I I'll think... say too is, oh, go ahead, Clayton. Oh, I was just gonna just gonna say. I mean, the highest that I think Michigan has finished under Jim Harbaugh is fourth in 2017. But a lot of those guys didn't pan out, even the higher mm-hmm. ranked ones. So I like and trust this staff and how they evaluate. They've also gotten some highly ranked kids this class. I think it's going to be top five potentially, and uh, that's really really good considering the way mm-hmm. things are going in college football. So this is going to be one of their best classes potentially. And then it's also always to be determined on how good the class pans out because. I mean, the 2019 class with Aiden Hutchinson, those guys, they weren't ranked very high, but tons of those guys contributed to winning championships. So you just got to let it play out. But on paper, I would say it's not going to be probably their best class ever or the number one class, but it's going to be, you know, really close to being one of their best in a while. Great question, though. Yeah, absolutely. And I I would finish by saying that, you know, the last couple of football previews that we've put together, and again, I'll plug that really quick. Uh, this is your last week to save $13 on the football preview. So head out over to uh, the Wolverine on demand.com. Use the promo code save 13 and get yourself a football preview for, uh, I believe it's 1095 and free shipping. So um, to steal I'm biased, but it is a steal. Uh, but having done these last couple of class reviews where finally all of the guys from 2017 are through the program, all the guys from 2018, except for a few, there's a, a few holdovers left, uh, from that 2018 class, but you go back and you look at these classes and um, you know, the higher ranked guy, especially that 2017 class. I mean, the higher ranked guys, I felt like eight out of the, whatever it was like six out of their top eight guys, either never sniffed the field at Michigan or like transferred out or were kicked off the team or something. Um, so it's twofold. Like if Michigan's going to recruit a bunch of three-star type guys, I mean, they've proven over the years, I'm going to, I'm going to trust Jim Harbaugh's, staff evaluation I, I mean don't get me wrong i love our recruiting reporters and the analysts and all that there's a lot of work that goes into rating those guys but i'd really be be interested in seeing what their hit rate of those three-star guys are compared to you know other programs that bring in that amount of you know the three stars even kind of those those you know i think ronnie bell was a was a two-star recruit coming out so uh for me it's it's you trust the evaluation but at the same time you know when you look at those composite numbers, the national rank, when you put together a top five, top six, seven, eight class, whatever it is, those are the types of classes that you have to keep stacking to stay in the conversation that they kind of are in already. Now you trust the evaluations, but um, they're lotto tickets and five-star guy, five-star tickets have a higher chance of hitting four-star tickets a little bit less and three-star you know, it's basically, uh, you know, it's it's basically a kind of a crapshoot. It comes down to your coaching and player development. But uh, right now, I mean, coming off the class that they had last year and, uh, you know, some of the struggles they've had with NIL and, and just getting guys excited about the program, now that you have those two years of winning results to sell, I don't think it's any coincidence that this is where Michigan's at right now as a program. So, uh, Shop fam, we appreciate, uh, we appreciate the super chat. Thank you. I got a I got a quick stat for you on the, the athletic did something on that with how many uh, the percentage of your players that were ranked a certain star three four five going to the NFL Michigan ranked fifteenth in the country in developing three stars twelve point four percent of them from oh nine to nineteen were uh, got drafted in the NFL so that's oh nine oh nine to nineteen yeah Think and I would that. imagine it was it would be a lot better if you looked mm-hmm. at it from the start of Jim Harbaugh's tenure. To now, so they're in a good spot at 15th. There, I think it's heavily skewed, probably towards uh, a lot of Jim Harbaugh developed guys, and I think it would be even more interesting to see it. They probably rank higher if you just took his era, but that's pretty good uh, considering where the program was for part of those part of that, uh, you know, span. Well, I want to move into since we just discussed 
some, why there's excitement around the program and <laughs> NIL both in recruiting and off the field. Um, I want to talk about this new, uh, this Empower uh, initiative that Jim Harbaugh has been a big part of uh, Michigan football officially announced it on Monday. And Chris, I'm just going to kind of give the floor to you because you've, you've been all over this uh, on the back end with it. So, uh, and EJ has an article coming out as well, but uh, talk to us about what the Empower thing is and what it means for NIL. Yeah, let's talk about Shane. Let's talk to take Shane's question first. He's got it 499 in there. So he said, no concern with number one receiver with a nice collection of twos uh, with both our tight ends. True. Wilson, Clemens, and CJ. And guess what, Shane? Uh, Shane you know what Donovan Edwards could be, like Mike Hart said, again, you know, one of the best slot receivers in the country if he were at a slot receiver. So he said he could play just about anywhere. So I'd love to see them use him more in that role, too. They do have guys. Uh, they told me that Tyler Morris was out there looking like Ronnie Bell. He switched to his number. So, you know, we Jim Harbaugh has said he'd take 100 Ronnie Bells. Well, it looks like he might have another one. So uh, we'll see. There's, there's always some concern, though. Uh, you got to have guys getting open. I, I think, you know, you can – you can scheme to take a tight end out of the game, um, you know, Colston Loveland, uh, guys like that. But when you've got a guy like a Mario Manningham or a Braylon Edwards, you know, sometimes even in a double team, as teams have found out, it's tough to cover them. So uh, as for the red, I feel you, man. This is literally the only clean thing that I had in my closet when I was getting ready to go. Um, I will not ever wear green. I don't even own, any, own anything green. And I just because I don't like the color. Red I wear once in a while, so I apologize uh, to you and your eight-year-old, and I will promise never to make that mistake again. Shane, that's that's not a red shirt either. That's a scarlet shirt. Um, it's I orange. Have the same one they sent us. I have not put Scarlet's it on. even worse. Are you kidding me? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's orange. Can't you I tell? think we should sh- shame this guy for wearing this on that's a live right. show. No, I don't blame. I don't wear blame. it in the comfort of your own home, but when you're on a live show talking yeah. Michigan football, wearing a scarlet shirt is just yeah. disgusting. Yeah, well, it is orange. Show a little decorum. I'm sorry. All right. My apologies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, so talk to us, Chris, about what this Empower initiative is. Um, Yeah. Out in New York, man, is when we first heard about it. We were following Michigan around on their their uh, trip out out east and uh, we were in New York City and they had an event. uh, The great touch man, Tim Smith, helped pay for it through the collective champion circle collective. And there were some donors there and Jim Harbaugh kind of introduced it there. And he said, you know what? We want to make NIL an experience. He said, you know, we're going to get all of our big donors behind it. The biggest ones. We want you to be a part of it uh, where they're getting opportunities. You know what? Uh, in business and and opportunities to show, you know, what to do with their money. It's not just about getting money. It is about getting opportunities with money. Um, But it is more about setting these guys up so they know what to do with their money uh, when they get it. So um, it's great opportunities with some of the best business minds in, you know, that Michigan has produced as alums. So uh, they're starting out, I think it's going to be like a seven city road trip. They're going twice to uh, New York. They're going to starting in Chicago tonight where Jim Harbaugh is trying to reach some of the, the, um, the, the alums with money and saying, Hey, we need to support our guys here. We're not asking you to write them a million dollar kids, a million dollar check to come to Michigan. But when they're here, they need to have these opportunities because, you know, to be able to recruit against the Alabamas and the Georgias and some of these football factories, we got to do something different and something better. So that's what it entails. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty special. Um, they're talking about, you know, when they talk about a lifetime commitment, and I can point to so many guys who, you know, what Michigan always got theirs, they would say back in the day, you know, in the, in, under Lloyd Carr, we can't give you yours up front, but you're going to get yours on the back end because there are going to be so many alums to take care of you. Now, basically, the alums are going to start taking care of them legally while they're in school and while they're learning. So uh, this is a great opportunity, and that's something that they stressed on the recruiting weekend. E.J. Holland, our recruiting analyst, told us about it, uh, and they're excited to learn more about it, and so are we. I think we're going to learn more about it tonight when Jim Harbaugh meets with a lot of people in Chicago and discusses it in more detail, but um, it's make, they're making positive steps. You know, Michigan's been behind in NIL. Uh, they still are behind in some respects, especially in basketball and other sports, but they are making up a lot of ground in football. There are a few guys in particular to thank for that. A couple of guys that were carrying the water, like our touch men, as we've said, uh, they need more guys on board. And this is kind of a road trip to get them there. Clayton, your thoughts on on the? I saw you describe it as being, I think, huge on social media. So, your thoughts on the new initiative? I got a text just before it launched today too that this is gigantic. Just wait and see this announcement. Here we go. It comes out a couple minutes later. 
Jim Harbaugh's on the video. JJ McCarthy's on the video. Blake Corum was on there uh, showing that. And I think what this signals too, and this is something that people have been waiting for for a long time, is the athletic department being a little bit more willing to play ball and its progress in that area. It's also, you know, I, I think of this too going back uh, a couple of years ago when Jim Harbaugh made his first comments when NIL, something that he actually had pushed for in years before, uh, but finally became legal. You know, he said, we want this to, to remain a transformational experience, not a transactional experience. I think with this initiative, they're going to, and he also, the, to finish that quote, he says, but it can become uh, transactional. I think this is going to be both uh, the way they're going about it a little bit more uniquely uh, than some other schools. And, you know, the, the big thing that there's this huge buzzword out there, branding, everyone's talking about, you know, your personal brand. Oh, you got to do what's best for your brand and protect your brand. Well, Michigan, it's not just the brand while well, they're here for three to four years. They're talking about a brand for life, uh, to use their exact words. And all the connections they have with the donors and alums and everybody surrounding Michigan, you know, the university, but also the football program, they can leverage that. Uh, and I think they're going to. And I think this is a really big step. Yeah, I think the the my biggest takeaway, and again, I'm still kind of doing my homework on everything because there's been a lot going on. Um, is that it is that grassroots kind of, first of all, that Jim Harbaugh is basically, you know, going on the road show and I can't say he's raising funds on his own. I don't know if that's, that's, you know, legal to the letter of the law, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where you want to get people fired up to donate. And then there's been so much, so much of a disconnect and so much disorganization around, you know, some of these big name donors not knowing if they could even, you know, contribute to it or if, you know, would there be sour grapes if they contributed to NIL instead of, you know, the uh, you know, athletic department's best interests. But, you know, I would say from a Michigan perspective, administratively, this is something that uh, it's, it's good to see they are embracing because let, let's be honest here. Uh, Michigan football is a cash cow and it is uh I'm sure the money they bring in is is higher than the, the GDP of some you know underdeveloped country, so to speak. So uh, they print money out there, and it's sometimes you know you have to you know if there are people in positions of power that are worried that maybe the money stops flowing in uh, to directly to you for athletic department endeavors, you got to protect your investment here. And the best way to protect your investment is to make sure that. Michigan football stays at the top of college football in terms of keeping its players, you know, first off winning, like winning football games is the key to everything. Um, but winning those football games, making sure these players are taken care of, you know, Michigan for years has touted, Oh, well, you know, by virtue of just being a Wolverine, you know, you're set for life with all the connections you have after the fact. Well, no, let's, let's as an institution go out and make sure that these guys have what they need uh, competitively and what they're worth, uh, you know, while they're still playing. And the fact that finally, after all this time, and again, uh, all ships are kind of still working on sailing in the same direction, but it finally feels like there is some sort of unity and clarity on where this thing can go moving forward. And that's yeah, I don't know about uni- I don't know about unity yet. I think they're getting there. I think they're getting closer because there's still, it still seems like there's a, you know some reluctance in some areas. So, but it, it, the, the importance has been put out there. I mean, even as recently as a week and a half ago, you know, there were like, there was some pushing, pushing back and forth. So, uh, and some kids that, you know, on the Michigan football team, some stars, I think that are questioning, Hey, you know, I'm not in the same ballpark as some of these, at some of these other schools, but I think this is a way, a step toward, uh, towards rectifying that. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It's going to take time. I mean, mm-hmm. When you have so many, especially with people that have lots of money and are raising lots of money, also comes ego, and that's that's a big part of it too. So, um, but yeah, if nothing else, I, I you know it's a little more than an incremental step forward, but it's just another it's another positive. After I feel like everything that Chris you reported at NIL last off season was was yeah. doom and gloom and it was terrible. Um, the tenor's a lot yeah, different now. It is. Yep. And thanks again to a handful of people, really, uh, who have made it their mission, one of their missions, to to get this thing back on an even keel here. All right. Any other thoughts on on M M Power? 
No, let's move on. What do we got? It's a good What's double that? entendre, I think. That's right. It well, is. And Jim, Har- and Jim Harbaugh made made that clear when he introduced that in New York. So uh, what a great event, by the way. Thanks again to Tim and those guys for including me. And, um, you know, the team loved it. And that whole trip was fantastic. You know what? Uh, going down there to camp with you guys and everything else was great. So I don't care what anybody says. Uh, that is a fantastic experience for these kids. All right, fellas. Well, uh, looking at my watch here, it appears it is now question time. Um, awesome. We have leftover questions from last week to get to. We have new questions for this week to get to. We have questions coming in from our friends watching live on the YouTube channel. So uh, start lining those up. But Clayton, uh, you are sort of the, uh, the, the keeper of the questions, the, the scribe, if you will. The C-scroll is in your hands. So I will let you lead this off tonight uh, with the question for us. As Jim Harbaugh would say, I think we're just scribes and pundits, uh, is how he's <laughs> described in the media. So I guess I'll take it. Um, Blue Thunder 24, I thought had a pretty good question. Which player will be missed most this season? Mozzie Smith, Ronnie Bell, or Olu Oluwatimi? Hmm. That's a great question. Why don't you tackle I, it first, Clay? Yeah. yeah, I could start out and just say, I think it's going to be Mozzie. Um, you know, I think Ronnie Bell was so reliable there, but I think you do have guys like Tyler Morris, you know, that can step up. Uh, Cornelius Johnson, I think Roman Wilson is going to have a really big season. I think people are overlooking how good he can be. Um, you know, you have the tight ends, you have Donovan Edwards. They'll be able to piece that together. Drake Nugent, I think, is going to step in just fine at center. I mean, you look at pro football focus, they rate him as the top returning center in the country. But to me, Mozzie Smith was undervalued here. First, first-round pick for Michigan at the defensive tackle spot. Since uh, I think the 80s or 90s, Kevin Brooks, whenever he went to the Dallas Cowboys himself. And, yeah, you know, Mason Graham and, um, you know, Kenneth Grant, they've showed promise, especially Mason Graham, and he's been productive in his career, and I love what both those guys bring. But are they going to bring, you know, what a first-rounder brought? I don't think so quite yet. And there's so much riding on that nose tackle spot in this defense. So I'm going to go with Mozzie Smith, but I do think Michigan has enough talent to replace all three. I think that's a great. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you there uh, because yeah, Mozzie. I don't think he was appreciated as much as he should have been. Uh, taking on the double teams all the time, how strong he was. Mason Graham again, I think is going to fill that role just fine. But last year you had Mozzie Smith and Mason Graham, right? Now you've got right. Mason Graham and who? Somebody else has to step up. So I think that's a great observation, Clay. Um, Mozzie Smith had a great career here, and credit to him because you know what? There was so much on his shoulders a couple years ago where they said, we need one guy to really step up, and really the season kind of depends on this guy. How many times is it that you know the guy doesn't live up to that? He took that on his shoulders, and he lived up to it. To it. Give, it give him credit. Um, outstanding career here. Wish him well with Dallas. Something about those Grand Rapids kids, man. I tell you. Yep, no question. I feel like the odd man out in that regard, but uh, I'll t- <laughs> no. It's okay. Uh, I'm sure you're have, okay. No, my family has roots in Grand Rapids. So, All right, there but, you go. Uh, um, yeah, I'll make it three for three. We'll say uh, I'll say Mozzie Smith. I, I think that most important among you know, of the things that he brought was the fact that the things that he did really, really well don't show up in a box score. I mean, that's the guy that's taking on your double teams and and opening things up for other guys and. You know, he kind of lived and breathed, you know, stuffing the run there. And it's, you know, now you have guys like Kenneth Grant that need to take on more of that. You have Sean Benny. You have Mason Graham, who needs to be a little better. And he's done a great job this offseason of getting himself back into good football shape. Um, so, yeah, I would say of those three, um, I would say I would say Ronnie Bell is a close number two, just because of the fact that he did find a way to get himself uh, open and and it was productive when the ball came his way. But you know, uh, you know, as Don Brown used to say, you know, the nose tackle is the the tip of the spear, so to speak. And uh, I don't know who's I don't know who that guy's going to be right now. They have guys, but we'll see what winds up being ultimate. I think it's really tight, man. You're talking about the Remington Award winner too at center. You know, you could go, you could make a case for any one of those guys. Absolutely. So it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. And uh, Olu Olu team he had an unbelievable season. We're assuming Drake Nugent's going to step in there because of where he's ranked. We haven't seen him play yet, so we'll be fascinating to uh, to see these guys in action. But we do know they're great fits. Speaking to some of their teammates, they say these guys it's just like they've known them forever. All right, Clay, I'll take this next one here. Uh, unless you have another point to to add. 
I was just going to say Don Brown used to say that, but then he would, you know, they're not in the spot anymore where you have to move over Max Bredesen, who's your kind of de facto fullback yeah. defensive line. They got some options there too. And the fact that the Remington and Outland uh, award winners uh, winner is, uh, is on that list and we didn't choose him, I think is a really good sign and shows you where this program's at with how much depth they have. There you have it. Yeah, they've done a great job of really kind of not even just backfilling those needs, but just building the roster in general. Um, all right, let's take this one from Sasquatch from the message board. It says, gut feeling right now is J.J. McCarthy back in 2024. Um, my gut feeling, I say, I say, mm, I still I still lean yes. I don't know why I feel that way. If he has a good year, teams are going to want him. But uh, something, I just have this lingering feeling that he's a four-year guy. Seems like a four-year guy. Now, if they won the championship, right, and he throws for 30-something hundred yards and, uh, you know, as a, as a Heisman finalist or something like that, then go young, man. But uh, this kid, there's something different about him. He remind, he's got that Jake Long gene in him and guys like Chad Henney that, you know what, they're, they're here on a mission. They love this place. And uh, we, we heard it, you know, when he said, when Cade McNamara beat him out and he said, you know, people were starting to question whether or not he was going to be here. I'm not going anywhere. You know, this is my school. I love it here. Uh, he's got a chance to really leave a legacy as one of the most well-liked players that ever played here. Uh, one of the most beloved. And uh, you know what? I, I think he's, I really do. I really, my gut tells me he'll be back another year. Yeah, I, I would say, I'm over the 50% mark that he'll be back, uh, you know, in a fourth year. But I think he's got what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. And mm-hmm. I think there's going to be teams and, and you know, a lot of buzz around him after the season. There already is now that, hey, you could go and, you know, you could be a second rounder maybe. You know, he potentially in the first round. You see two mock drafts right now, ESPN and The Athletic. Both have him as a first rounder. So much can change and will change by the time it's actually, you know, time for him to make a decision. But I think he's going to have that option. Um, I, I'm, I would lean that he's a four-year guy, but nothing would surprise me. I'd say it's about 55%. I think it also comes down to the fact that, you know, can you, by virtue of just being in the 2024 or the 2025 draft class, can you be maybe the first or second quarterback off the board? I mean, I, I don't, I'd be really surprised if something happens where he supplants, you know, Caleb Williams or Drake may, those guys are going to put up video game like numbers and, there are going to be a lot of guys that do that. And maybe that's not, it doesn't even, it wouldn't even necessarily take JJ doing that for him to be drafted high. But I do wonder if coming back and, and improving yourself for a fourth year to be the guy in that next draft class might be what he decides to do. But I think it ultimately will hinge on what happens with this team this year. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, make it I'm, clear. I, I think he's going to be an outstanding NFL quarterback at some point, no matter when he goes, just to be clear about that too, Anthony. I think so too. I mean, yeah. more important than the, the numbers are, you know, when, when these teams draft a franchise quarterback, they're not just drafting the skill set. They, you know, they want guys that have shown that they can put a program or a team on their back. And I think the clearest example of him being able to do that was how they played without Blake Corum last year. You needed his best football. You needed the reins to kind of come off of him a little bit. Not that there were, he was completely shackled, but, uh, and he's got that like hockey player mentality too. He's, he is the complete package. Uh, so we'll see what happens, but uh, nothing would surprise me. Uh, whatever he decides to do, I think uh, I think from a mental standpoint, he's ready to go whenever he wants to. It's just a matter of where his priorities lie. There you uh, go. Clay, you want to take the next one? Sure. Uh, we had the schedules come out 2024, 2025, the Flex Protect Plus model, which – AB, I know you watched Succession, but, you know, Living Plus, I thought it was similar. Like, where do you come up with that name? Anyway, um, we had a couple questions about this, one from Scoot, one from Bloomer. Uh, But did Michigan make a mistake by keeping Sparty as a protected game? Bloomer, this was from last week, so he was asking it before it came out, but what are your feelings about keeping Little Brother as a protected rival? Time for a break. Uh, Your guys' thoughts on that? You know, I've said my piece on that. Uh, you can see it, guys, every day. And then we go out there. You know, it's just like nothing seems to sink in here about how this is a, a football game and not life and death. And uh, it's gotten to the point where it got crazy last year. And you've got people blaming Jim Harbaugh and blaming kids running into a tunnel for getting their asses kicked for what happened in there. Uh, there is absolutely no perspective anymore. And it's time. I, I felt it was time for a break. Now, from a purely football perspective, you know, 
given where Michigan State is right now and seems to be headed uh, under Mel Tucker, uh, they aren't ex- exactly thriving right now. So uh, it's kind of like, you know, Michigan State always plays Michigan tough, it seems. But um, from, a, uh, from a football perspective, you know, it's not terrible at this point because it's not Mark D'Antonio's Michigan State. So, uh, but to me, I would have gone a, another direction, you know, maybe in Minnesota, the Little Brown Jug game or something like that, just to give it a break. And then maybe when you come back five years, three years later, you know what, you appreciate it a little bit more. And uh, I doubt that we'll ever get to that point anymore, though, guys. It's, it's gotten absolutely nuts. And uh, I don't think I'm overstating it when I say that. Some of the stuff that I've seen and uh, been privy to, has been absolutely crazy. So uh, breathe a little bit, try to enjoy it a little bit more, I guess would be my advice. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I mean, the, the fact that it's even being peddled by, um, by, I'll, just, I'll call a spade a spade by members of the Spartan beat that, that, that uh, Jim Harbaugh goaded the situation into happening last year. It, it remains irresponsible. And, there's no reason those for me. I think those teams should play. I don't think you should take something away. I mean, at the end of the day, that's it is. Uh, you shouldn't take something away because there's been a lack of leadership or accountability on one side, whatever it might be. So for me, I, I think that because when we walk out of our house, by virtue of just walking out of the house each day, you've got a, a Spartan neighbor or Spartan family, or you know, vice versa, Michigan neighbor, Michigan family. This, this game and this rivalry still can be and still is a great showcase for our state, um, especially when both teams are good, which right now it doesn't look like that's going to be the case probably for a while because Michigan State's roster has gotten worse. Uh, it just has. There's, there's no sugarcoating that. So for me, I mean, I think that you should, you should play the team in your state. Um, you know, I try to look at it from, you know, if the shoe is on the other foot, would you want it to go away? I don't think I would. You always want your shot at your rival, whether you're three and nine or nine and three or twelve and zero or whatever it winds up being. But uh, yeah, I, I have no issues with them staying as a protected rival. I think that people need, hopefully, time uh, or the time that's passed has added some perspective. I doubt that it has. It's probably really only made things more toxic. Uh, but we'll see. I think they should play uh, because there's I. I don't think you take that away because adults and these are men make no mistake about it. They say that they're kids. No, these are adult men. These players on the field, they should know how to act. So you play the football game. As far as the plus model goes, uh, a couple of our friends, uh, our friends from Flint at the dinner on Saturday, they asked me, they said, uh, what is the plus? What does the plus mean? And I was like, honestly, it's the first Clayton. That was the first thing that popped in my head was living plus or Disney plus. Or, so perfect. Something yeah. max. So I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's, it's trendy, I guess, but uh, yeah, that's, I have no issues with, uh, you know, I kind of surprised. I figured they might, I thought they might find a third protected rival like a Minnesota or a Penn state, but um, yeah, I have no issue with just having those two, you know, Michigan state, Ohio state. And then you see everyone else. There's no reason you should play a Wisconsin or Nebraska or an Iowa seven years in a row. Like they had been in the, the old models. So uh, excited for a little bit of, uh, you know, keeping it fresh year in and you're out. Yeah. I can just finish by saying, I, I wish they stayed with divisions, but this kind of, it, it makes somewhat sense. I mean, everyone's going to play each other in a two year span, but as far as the protective rivals, Michigan state, Ohio state, I mean, I think it's the only way to go. It makes complete sense. Uh, and just don't assault people after the game if you're mad about losing. And the people that are also saying that, hey, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh was somehow responsible for this. It's not only irresponsible, as you said, A.B., it's factually inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's any – I mean, I don't know if you could really say anything more on that. Honestly. I can't. I think it's stupid to even suggest it. So there you have it. Pig-headed, I'll say. Yes. Yeah. To go a step further, it's pig-headed, see? Um, (laughs) uh, gosh what else where do we go after that um let's see this is what happens when we do it live uh let's take a youtube question who's been waiting in the queue here Uh, here's just a comment from phil o who says this has been the best Uh, the best past two and a half years of culture Michigan has had since the mid nineties. I love the guys we have and the coaching staff. I don't have a single gripe with any of our coaches. 
Uh, the big O, I agree with you 100%. Uh, and I've said this and I've written it. Um, it is as good as it's been since then. And bringing Michigan men back into the fold, it's hilarious because you've got a segment out there, almost a cult that says it's too incestuous and we need to split away from that. And let's go get more Rich Rods and Tony Gibsons and stuff like that. And when all the guys who ever played here uh, said, you know what, there's something that makes me feel sleep better at night knowing that some of those guys are in the building. So, and I couldn't agree more. Mike Hart, Ron Bellamy, Grant Newsom, you go right down the list, right? Mike Elston. These guys understand the importance uh, of what it means and to, to Michigan, you know, what it means to, to, you can't lose. You just aren't, you cannot lose. So, uh, you know what? I love it. I love the staff. I love the culture. Uh, amazed that they were able to turn it around as quickly as they did. Yeah, and even behind the scenes, guys. I mean, Doug Mallory, Chris Bryant, Denard Robinson. It goes on and on and on. Those guys know what it's what it's like and uh, what things need to be, what the standard is. And then the new guys, the guys that are playing now, the Blake Corums, they set the the new standard for these guys, and it builds on itself throughout the years and I think that's what Michigan fans are hoping for this is just going to only continue so uh really really I think everybody is is super excited about this season and what it can be and it feels like it's as high of expectations as you can have yeah I mean it's it, it remains one of the most remarkable and quickest turnarounds I can ever remember I mean coming off of that COVID season again the giant the most giant asterisk you can possibly put next to it uh, mm-hmm. for what it meant for where the program was and, and how bad things were or, or weren't actually. But uh, for them to flip the switch like they did, um, it's it's been crazy to watch. And I, you, you would have figured that maybe last year was, you know, okay, 2021, you get yourself back in your little, you know, eight, nine, 10 wins column. And then ne- last year was the year where you start making your push. But now we're talking about, you know, going on three years in a row where you're the team to beat in the big 10. That's uh it's remarkable. And uh, Phil O does have a question. He asks, who is the starting four on the defensive line for the first snap of the year? And I would, I would, my caveat to that would be, I guess it depends on the look that the offense gives them. Of course. You have your different fronts. You've got always your on three-man front. fronts. Your, we'll say the four-man front. What would the starting four-man front look like? Anthony, go for it. I would say, oh, thank you for bringing up the roster. Mm-hmm. That's helpful. There's a billion guys on this in this rotation. I will say at the edge, uh, those two, those two guys in the blue column there, Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor, I think would start at the edge spots. Defensive tackle, I will go with. I mean, Chris Jenkins is a lock, and then let's see who do they play the first week of the year. East Carolina. East Carolina. It'll be Mason. Carolina. Grand. They throw the ball a lot. Tied for 23rd in the country last year, 37.3 pass attempts per game. So really, we're probably looking at them playing a three-man front a lot in that game um, with the two linebackers and then everyone else on the back end of the defense. But for four-man front, so we'll say, yeah, Mason Graham. It's not as hard as I thought it would be. Yep. Yep, there you go. I agree. Yeah, those are my four. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Philo, for the question. Uh, Thanks, Big O. Quick one here from John Case. Uh, we did not address this. He said, "Is basketball part of M Power?" Uh, not not so much. You know, they're starting to get some help from the collectives, so they need more help. I give Juwan credit for Juwan Howard credit for going out and, and uh, seeking some help. I think that's one of the things that helped land him. Olivier Kamwa from Tennessee. Uh, they got to get Antonio Reeves from Kentucky. If they do, then I will give uh, as Anthony says the flowers to Juwan Howard for putting together a roster in uh, this and these unbelievable times in which people are poaching their players left and right. And it's getting harder and harder to put together a roster. So let's make it happen. I thought you were going to say you'd have Juwan Howard's face tattooed on your ass. No, on the other cheek. No, I already got one spot uh, reserved for Jaden Smith. So (laughs) That's terrible. We're going to claim that. I don't even know where that came from. Just clip it and throw it away, please. So if we go back in time, you know, so anyway, <laughs> all right, next question. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll take one more clay. Why don't you uh, close us out here? A lot of pressure. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's see. Take me out a good one, Bobby. What movie? <laughs> Anthony. Hmm. Pick me out a winner, Bobby. I don't know. I'm over two today, Chris. 
The natural. That's a voice. That's a voice special. All right, go ahead. Continue. I'm showing my age again. This this one is unnamed. Uh, I did not write down who who asked it, but this is from last week's batch of questions. Uh, while it is putting the cart before the horse, are we going to see a lot more offensive line rotation at each position this year? Each of the offensive line starters are finishing their eligibility this year. We'll have all new starters in 2024. Heck, if JJ doesn't come back, Loveland and whoever starts in the slot will be the only starters returning. Uh, I will note, guys, th- th- there is the COVID year out there, so guys, Trevor mm-hmm. Keegan's not coming back, but Trevor Keegan could technically come back. Carson Barnard, Trente Jones, those guys could come back. Um, you know, uh, I believe Drake Nugent has two years. If he wanted to come back, Miles Hinton has a couple years. If he redshirts this year, he could have three more in college. So there's going to be the opportunity there. But I think – I do think Michigan's going to have a full – as long as everyone stays healthy, five new starters on the offensive line in 2024. I don't think we're going to see a lot more rotation. That just isn't necessarily conducive to uh, you know building an offensive line, making sure those guys gel because there are some new pieces on this line. But, I mean, there's always going to be injuries, guys banged up, whether that's for a drive, a quarter, a half, a game, a couple games, whatever. And guys like G.O.L. Hadi, he's already uh, accumulated some experience in his career. Other guys are going to get that opportunity as well. Jeff Percy got to start a game last year. So it's not like these guys won't have any experience. They've been around the program. They've watched the older guys. They've learned under Sharon Moore. So I think they're going to be fine. Um, but and, and I don't think we're going to see more rotation. But I do think it'll probably be five new starting offensive linemen in 2024. I do think we'll see a little more rotation at left guard and maybe kind of protect Keegan a little bit, you know, given the wear and tear on his body, the the next injuries, the stingers that he had last year. He was like he couldn't feel his fingers at times. So I think with Ohati as good as he is, I think we could see more of him. Um, and I think you could see a little more re- rotation between Jones and Barnard as well, especially in the early going. So um, and then, you know what? maybe early on too, because you got guys like Ladarius Henderson. We don't know what he can do. Miles Hinton, you know, competing with these guys. So I think early on, yes, but I think in the big 10 season, they'll have a a set group that they like best that they found out, okay, this is our best five, but it certainly bodes well for the following year. Even if there aren't, you know, guys that are returning starters, because you'll have a lot of guys that have played a lot of football. Can I clarify mine too? Is I agree. If position battles are going in to the season, which I think they very well could, then I think we will, See yeah. that, but once things get solidified, whenever that is, yeah, um, I don't think we're gonna see. And maybe something with with Keegan, you know, if if he can't feel his fingers, like yeah. maybe they they feel good enough about Geo to put him in. Um, but I don't think we'll see, you know, like a rotation like you'd see on a defensive line. Yep. No, you you don't rotate guys like that. I mean, there are guys that need to get experience, and I think that getting out to fast starts in games lends yourself to blowing teams out and then getting guys game experience, but. Um, you know, to build offensive lines, it's less about individual player. Like you want it guys individually to develop, but you know, you build offensive lines by guys playing together and, and the bones of next year's offensive line are going to kind of be put together, you know, in spring football in the off season in fall camps. So yeah, it's the idea that it will probably be five new starters is scary. Um, that's something that they've been able to avoid and they're very lucky to be able to do and. Uh, you know, you look up and down, you know, the scholarship chart and the depth chart already, you feel like you have guys that uh, you could probably put together a starting off, at least one other starting offensive line at another that would start another Big Ten school and probably be pretty good. So, you know, you feel somewhat safe about the future, uh, but at the same time, like the idea that you'll have to break in five new spots and who knows who the quarterback is, who knows what running backs will be around, who knows what your skill, you know, there are just so many that's why it's just so important to go out and win the national title this year, or at least, you know, just get to that last game because the future is, is we feel good about the pieces they have, but the future is, is so uncertain. No man knows the future. Of course, uh, the, the popular refrain uh, from this past uh, Jim Harbaugh NFL dalliance, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to predict, but you know, you don't, you just don't, you don't rotate guys like that. Um, I've, the Lions tried to do that a couple of years ago. They rotate their guards out. And uh, I just feel like you pull any of those links off of an offensive line. And so much of it is based on chemistry and, and the reps and knowing what the guy next to you is going to do. And um, so, yeah, I don't see a ton of rotation unless there are those battles or there's an injury. So uh, I think go. that's a good place to seven o'clock here, fellas. Uh, after yeah. seven o'clock. Uh, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. And, 
call it a show for this week. Uh, again, thanks to everyone for watching. Be sure to like and subscribe. As we said earlier, uh, this is your last week. You have until June 19th to order our football preview magazine uh, for $10.95 plus free shipping. That's save You'd be saving $13 on that. So not a math major, but that's a good deal for you guys. So hop on that for sure. Uh, you can get uh, six months. What's the deal, Clayton? Is it six months for $50 at the Wolverine or a year? Yeah, mute, buddy. Oh, You're muted. Also, one dollar for three months, but yes, forty nine ninety nine for a year. Okay. I, by the way, there's Tigers, so many numbers. Tigers are probably down four nothing by now, right? Did the game start at six forty? Uh, their season ended on June first. I don't know what you're there talking you about. There you have it. Um, <laughs> so thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you to Clayton Safey, Chris Ballas, uh, producer Megan behind the scenes. Uh, thanks to everyone who watched this week. Thank you for the great questions. Uh, we will be back uh, next week at this time. So thank you, everyone. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon.